and we are actually going to cook hot dogs and, and hand out chips and pray for people, but we're going to worship, but we're just going to worship as a, as a family, right? Coming together. They already have a worship team going. They've got, it's going to be amazing. We don't, they've never done it before. Okay. But I know God put it on our heart to do this once a month down there and they just, they kind of started it. So we get to see what that's going to look like. And, uh, I just know God wants to do that. He told us to get out in the community and do these things. So this will be the first step. So that's going to be Saturday. Um, so as you know, it's going to be a busy week for some of us because we've got some guys going to the Man on Fire conference and we're leaving out. Yeah, it's going to be good, y'all. We're leaving out Thursday and we're heading up there. It's about two and a half hour drive to, the, to where we're going. And then uh, we're coming back Saturday. It ends at noon. So I'm going to get off. From, from that, we're going to drive back. I'm going to pick up some stuff. We're going to go down and start cooking hot dogs, worship in the park. That ends around 6. And then, uh, then we'll clean up and then uh, see where that goes. So that, that's the cool part about what's going on this week. So please, if you can get and uh, be part of that, come on. Uh, we want everybody uh, to be part of that and experience that. But if you can't, get down to the park around 4. If you can't serve, just get down there around 4 and let's worship. I believe we can take over Millbrook. There's a lot of things that have been happening in, in, in Millbrook, and, and I'm just, uh, it blew me away. And we're here for a reason. We were seated here for a reason. God planted us here for a reason. It's a, so that we can impact that city. We can't do that if we just stay in these walls. We've got to take what, what we're getting inside of here and take it out and go love on people, go bless people, go be part of the community, let the light shine out there. Uh, and I'm telling you, when we do this, it's going to inject something in the atmosphere that, woof, you're not going to be able to stop it. But it's going to take that. In fact, there's a lot of churches that are on board with this. So I love it. When I see that kind of unity, um, I know something big is going to happen. So we're going to go down there just expecting mighty things. Amen? All right. So, Father, we love you. I thank you, Lord. Man, I'm excited uh, just for everything you're doing, Father. So we just, we love you. I ask you to touch my lips today, Father. Work Walk me through what I'm about to talk about. Uh, let it be all of you, none of me, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, by the way, I want you to be here next weekend uh, because it's student weekend. And if you've never been here on a student weekend, it's powerful. So our students are going to be leading worship. Uh, we have an amazing word coming by two of our students that's going to be powerful. It's going to be impactful. That's what we do, right? We equip them to, to actually do what God's put in their heart. So come on out next week and enjoy what, what, what's happening with our youth here and how he's cultivating that. Uh, and you're going to see some special stuff, man. These kids are powerful uh, and we love them. And uh, I'm just excited to see how he's using them the way he is. All right. So we have been uh, in a series called Loading. And I don't want to go into all the stuff we've talked about about that. But when I got the vision of loading when we were on vacation, that's that loading. So that's the picture he gave me. It, I couldn't figure it out. And he said, man, that's when a computer's loading. It's trying to do all these things. Things are slowing down. Things, uh, we're not processing well. Maybe we're not hearing well. Maybe we're not moving in the right direction, but it's taking time for God to move uh, and us to hear him. Whatever it is, it's that loading thing. And he said, I need you to, um, to really break this thing down on what he's talking about. And then I need you to step back, right? Because when you load things, it renews things. It restores things. I need you to step back and re-solidify some things that you've probably talked about, uh, people have probably heard, or they haven't. Um, there's a lot of new people here, but it's to help uh, create a solid foundation about what we're doing. And I've talked about everything. So the, we talked about the hard drive being full slows you down, and that's getting rid of stuff that you have stored up inside of you for so long that you thought was important, but it's no longer important and you're hanging on to it, but that's stopping a movement from happening inside of you. We talked about overheating because you get too much stuff on your plate. You're trying to do too much uh, to prove yourself that you're worthy. And he said, get rid of some of that stuff so that you can receive my love and receive who I am. Uh, we talked about uh, loss of connection where it's just you and your your connection to him and how much time you're spending with him. Uh, there's a loss of connection. And all this ties into computers. You get a loss of connection. All of a sudden, you're spit, you're just, you guys getting where I'm going with the theme on this? Um, that's how he started breaking it down. Last week, we talked about background programs, those things that were embedded into us um, or things that we opened up in our mind or we accepted that we just kind of is always running in the background. So every time we we, we try to get in tune with the Lord. There's all this stuff going on that keeps us from staying focused on him. And this week, 
uh, he just jumped all over me on this one. And, and the, the last one we're going to talk about uh, is called a virus. A virus will cause your computer to slow down. A virus will cause you um, to not uh, reboot as fast, to restore as fast. It's, it's a virus. Um, so what's planted in your mind that's causing you to slow down? What has been injected into you that causes this? And uh, so what's a virus? I just want to get into this. I'm just going to jump right in. What, what is a virus? And I just wanted to define it for you. So an, uh, an infective agent that typically is too small to be seen by a light microscope and is able to multiply only within the living cells of a host. That's a virus. So obviously that doesn't apply to a computer, but it applies biologically to, to who we are. Or it's a or a piece of code that is capable of copying itself and typically has detrimental effect, such as corrupting the system or destroying the data. And this has been going on for a long, long, long time. Any virus, computer or biological, it causes what we call fear. It causes fear. That's what a virus does. Think about it. Let's go back to just COVID. As soon as COVID came out, it was a, a fear. Now, were people sick? Yes, and, and, and things were happening. But there was fear injected by a virus. Well, in a computer, when, when you get a virus, you ever got that screen where it just says, like, it's just like a blue screen, and you're like, uh-oh. Or your, or your Norton pops up and says, you have a virus, right? There's fear, because all of a sudden you're like, man, I had like everything on there. Like, I've got, how am I going to get my stuff? Like, what's going to go on? So fear's injected with a virus. So, so I want to think about this because, and what it does, it corrupts stuff uh, and causes fear. So this has been going on for a bit. You might recognize it. I, I recognized it in church when I first tried to get into church as an adult. And we started attending church and um, it was short-lived. And I've shared this before. I was in uh, another country, we got plugged into a church. We started doing some things, um, and then we failed to to show up on some things, and we failed to do some things. And it was little. It was a lot different. Not a little different. It was a lot different than this place. Right? They told you how to dress. They told you what was appropriate. They told you how to talk. Um, they told you where you had to be, when you had to be there, and if you weren't there, then all of a sudden, you know, they were like, either something's wrong with you, or we just don't care about you anymore. So I dealt with that and I got sick. I got really sick and uh, the pastor showed up in the hospital uh, and came up to me while I was sick and, and told me and my wife at the time, he says, you're sick because you haven't been coming to church. At that point, we just cut it off and we didn't walk into another church for 10 years, a decade of my life where I said, I refuse to go around hypocrites. I refuse to go around people that are gonna judge me based on what I do and what I don't do. So this is ridiculous. Walked away. And in those 10 years, my life fell apart. It was a virus that was injected in me that destroyed my life and my family because I walked away. But I walked away because of what was injected into me. You know, we call it legalism. Oh man, we call it religion. You see it all over the place. And you can drive down the street. And I know it's a joke. And I know this wasn't what it was meant for. But even if you drive, the, you look on, on things to see in Alabama. If you're visiting, it says, you need to go see the sign that says, go to church or the devil will get you. Oh, yeah. Right? And we laugh at that because, and it's been there for a while. That used to be on a, a business and stuff. And the guy moved it out there. And, but here's the thing. All you're doing with that is injecting fear. That's fear. Go to church or the devil will get you. So what you're telling people is that, that now I need you to go to church out of fear that the devil's going to get you. Right. Not out of love because love, right? Perfect love casts out all fear. Right. right so, so we got it different. And, and I know I'm not speaking to everybody in this room or maybe anybody online. And people could watch this later. You need to understand. I think there's a, there's a hint of legalism. There's a hint of stuff that gets wrapped up inside of us. There's a virus that we keep going back into and start saying, well... Well, how about this? And, and how about that? And you didn't do this. And, and it pops up every once in a while and you got to squash it, right? You got to squash it. 
But anything, here's the thing, anything that instills fear is not the desire of God. See, we look at fear differently. It says fear God. Yeah, it does say fear God. Fear him, revere him, love him. There's an honest about him. That's not fear like you're gonna squash me. You're gonna put a, a what are those little magnifying glasses on me with the sun and burn me up because I didn't come to church on a Sunday. I'm telling you, I, I just feel this. And I, I think when we break through with this, when we start understanding what he's trying to do, right, in us and through us, it's gonna open up a door that's gonna be absolutely amazing. That gate's gonna open and it's gonna be amazing if you can get over the fact of all these things that was instilled probably in, like me. I, I didn't go back to child. I didn't care. God put so many wonderful people in my path that tried to mentor me and get me into church and I just declined it the whole time because of what I experienced in a place, right? So that, that's, that, that's important. So the virus I'm talking about is legalism and the answer is the spirit. I'm talking about law and grace. And all legalism means, and I want to define that for you, is that legalism teaches you that you have to earn it. That is all out of, you, you do it yourself. Like you have to do it or it's never going to work. It's all about self, self-effort, right? So legalism defined as excessive adherence to law or formula, right? Or defiance of moral law rather than own personal religious faith, or I'm sorry, dependence on moral law rather than your own personal religious faith. That's the definition. So what are you depending on? Are, are you depending on your faith and your connection with him? Or are you saying, well, as long as I take the right steps, I'm going to be good. I don't care if I, if I have faith. I don't care if I really, you know, spend time with him. I don't care. As long as I do this right, I'm going to be okay. That's legalism. Because what happens is when you automatically step off to the side or don't do something, what do you do? You beat yourself up. You beat yourself up. You start saying, well, I'm not good enough. I can't believe this. What am I going to do? And now nobody's going to. That's why people don't come back to church when they're gone for a little while. Because they feel like someone's going to judge them if they come back in. That's not the environment we're trying to create. Can I be honest with you? I'll, I'll just be blunt honest. I don't care if you come to church every week. Not in a bad way. I love you. I want to see you every week. I want everybody here every week. But if you're not here, I'm not calling you to go, I can't believe you didn't come to church. I can't believe you weren't here. What's wrong with you? If I'm calling, it's because I miss you and I want to see you again because we love you. And I understand what happens. I've experienced this. I know what happens when I'm not part of a family that's filled with love. I know what happens when I take a step out of some place, right? And start, start seeing what happens in my life when I'm not getting saturated the way I'm supposed to be saturated, not only in a personal life, but actually in a family where people really care about you and really love you. So anyway, oh, I can keep going on and on about that. So the biggest thing I want you to know is legalism says that you have to try harder and harder and one day you're gonna make yourself right with God. That's legalism. And you can't do that. You need to understand that he's not going to love you any more than he does right now. And any less than he does right now. I don't care if, you, if you've never served before and you start serving, you're not serving to be loved more. He's not going to love you more. You're serving because you're so loved, you just want to pour out into people. You're serving because you're so thankful for what he's done in your life. You're not doing it to get anything. You're doing it to give something. You understand? So this is, this, is, this is where I want to talk about today. And I'm just going to, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture and I'm just going to try to read through some stuff because I can't define it as well as the scripture just says it. I don't know what that is, but that's good. Come on. I didn't know we were going back into worship. Come on, hey. That's what I'm talking about. Hmm. You know, a lot of people will say this is hard because they say that, you know, you hear everything from, uh, you know, faith without works is dead. Absolutely. I mean, if we have faith, there should be works in our life. There's nothing about that. But that's not what gets you to heaven. Just ask the guy on the cross next to Jesus. <laughs> Belief. All right, I covered that the last couple of weeks. If you believe who he is, you're going to spend eternity with him. It's a belief thing. It's a trust thing. It's faith. That's it. 
Okay, so, so you just need to understand that. I'm trying to break off. And if there was any bit of you that thought you had to do something, you're wrong. I need you to shatter that this morning. Hmm. And here's what I don't like about legalism because I've seen this happen. Legalism leads to pride. Legalism makes you think you're better than somebody because you're doing something they're not. And that will sink deep into your heart. And pride is not, not good. I don't even know if that's not, not. That's a double negative, not, 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 not. Not good. Right? So you need to understand. And what that does, it just, just doesn't lead to good things. So I'm going to jump into scripture. I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go into Galatians. I'm going to start in Galatians 4. Because this is what you need to know. When you, when you get away from the legal stuff and just say, I love you, Lord, and start walking out of love, Okay, let's rewind that. If you say, if you start following him and following the spirit, guess what? The secondary consequence of that, right, is love and doing good things. So if you're, if you're, if you're so focused on trying to do good things or not sin, what happens is that's where your focus is, right? And all of a sudden you can't get your mind off that. Where, where not sinning is a secondary consequence of loving him. Like, you don't have to think about it. You, you, when you get so focused on him, you don't think about all those other things. But if you spend your whole day thinking about all those things, guess what? If I think about it enough, I'm going to step in, I'm going to trip over, I'm going to do something. And you'll never be satisfied with yourself because you just say, I don't measure up. When he says, you measure up, I love you already. You understand that? Like, he loves you, whether you sin or not. Oh man, I'm telling you. So here's what I want to give you. I'm just going to give you a scripture on it. Galatians 4. I'm going to read through this. This is going to be one of my days where I just read and stop and tell you about it. But if you've never dug into Galatians, get into the Galatians. Uh, it's a powerful book. This is actually about, if you find out what's going on at this time, you're, you're talking about Paul already established the church. They, they're full of love. They, they're, they're full of the spirit. They're moving. And then some, some Judaizers come in and what they try to do is they try to tell them that they got to follow the Mosaic law. And they start embedding it back into them. And because of that, they're failing. Because of that, they're falling apart. Because they said, you got to follow all these laws. You're missing all the laws. All right? And because of that, so now Paul's trying to respond to them. And he responds in a letter. And he's, he, he's pretty mad at first. But I'm going to pick it up in Galatians 4, 21 through 31. It says, tell me, you who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. I'm gonna stop right there. This is, if you go, um, go back and, and read into this, this is where God promises Abraham, gives him a promise Right, that he's going to have children, and he's going to have generations and generations, like as, as like the stars. Right? He says, "I'm going to give you a child." This is what he told him: "I'm going to give you a son." Well, his wife, Sarah, can't have kids, but God tells him he's going to have kids. So Sarah, instead of being patient and waiting on the Lord by seeking Him with all of her heart, she says, "Take, take my 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 servant Hagar." take her and I want you to have a child with her so that I can raise the child and that's our blessing because I can't have kids. Self-effort. That's all that was. Self-effort. She says, I don't want to wait on it. God's not going to do it because it's not possible when anything's possible with him. And he told her he was going to do it. So why can't you just listen to that and be faithful in that? But instead she said, do this out of self-effort and it leads to a big mess and we're going to get into it. Okay. Verse 24, these two women serve an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai where people received the law that enslaved them. Mount Sinai, that's where we got the Ten Commandments, y'all. Think about this. So these two women serve an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai where people received the law that enslaved them. And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, 
The other woman, uh, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman, and she is our mother. As Isaiah said, rejoice, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into a joyful shout, you who have never been in labor. Man, I can go anywhere with that labor. You who have never had to fight and try. You who have never had to, 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 to try to do your very best to earn anything. You didn't have to go through the pains of that. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac. But you are now being persecuted by those who want to keep the law, just as Ishmael, which is his other son. So you had Isaac and Ishmael, right? So, so Ishmael was the firstborn, born into slavery, right? From the servant wife, Hagar. The next one born was Isaac. That was the gift. That was the promise that came through Sarah as a miracle, right? That's the one he said I was going to give you in the first place. So it says the child born by human effort persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the spirit. So let me reread that. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are, are children of the promise just like Isaac. But you are now being persecuted by those who want to keep the law just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the spirit. Hmm. This is where I'm telling you, what overcomes law? Spirit. We're talking Holy Ghost. We're talking one of the three, y'all. You understand that, right? Father, Son, Holy Ghost, all powerful, all same level. That's who does it. He breaks free, breaks us free. So dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free woman. Come on. So we're all children of a promise. But we try to act sometimes as children of the slave and the children of the self-effort. That's what we try to act like. And that's why we feel bad about things. And that's why we, we think that we're not good enough. And that's why we step down from things because we're like, oh, I just don't feel like, 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 like I'm feeling right in my heart and, and, and I'm not doing, and it's self-persecution because you just don't know how much love he wants to give you. You don't know how loved you truly are. Anyway. So I'll go into Genesis. I'll share with this in Genesis a little bit. It's Genesis 21, 8 through 12. Because this is where you see Ishmael come against Isaac. And it says, when, when Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant Hagar making fun of her son Isaac. This is where you see the mockful, prideful, self-effort, religion coming against the spirit. This is where you see it. This is what it's saying. He's saying he's better than him. You're not as good as me. I was the firstborn and look at me. And it's all about self-effort. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of the slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son, Isaac. I won't have it. Get rid of them. So what happens when, when that gets into your heart? What happens when legalism gets into your heart? What happens when self-effort gets into your heart? What's the Bible just say? Get rid of it. Not keep it around and tuck it away and say, yeah, but, but you're our family. Um, I'm going to give you a room in the back. And then whenever you want to come out and say hi, I'll let you come out and say hi. Expel it. Get it out of the camp. Get it gone. Remember, they lived in camps back then. Get it, get it out of the house. You can't hang on to any bit of it. That's what it's saying. Can't hang on to any bit of it. And this upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Isaac through faith. Isaac through the promise. Isaac, through the spirit. Come on. You got to understand where we're going with this. I'm trying to break any bit of that that's still in your head. 
You guys getting this? I know it's going to go deep today, but I'm just trying to read the Bible and try to tie things together so you can go, oh, never saw that before. Or, hey, that's where that link's in. All right, so let's go into Galatians 3. I'm actually going to read all of Galatians 3. So it'll be on the screen. Follow along in your in if you want. I'm probably going to stop as I read something, and then we'll get moving. So here's where Paul picks it up. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. Stop right there. How do you receive the Spirit? By believing the message you heard about Christ. Bible says that, that he will leave and he'll send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to come inside of you all in one. I can show you in the Bible where Jesus is sitting there and he says, now I'm with you, but soon I'll be in you. Amen. So the Bible says, now I'm with you, soon I'll be in you. And this is before he was crucified. And he's telling these guys, hey, look, I'm going to be in you. Well, it says the Holy Spirit's in us. Well, that's Jesus. Everything lines right up, guys. Three and one, right? This is one thing here. There's a, there's a lot of people that think, you know, okay, here, let's go into this. It's, it's another legalism thing. Uh, people think that the only way that you are filled with the Holy Ghost is if you're actually speaking in tongues. False. Is that an evidence? Yes. I know a lot of people filled with the Holy Spirit that don't speak in tongues. So get it out of your head that the only people, and, <laughs> whew. Get it out of your head that if you don't do that, that you're not filled with the Holy Ghost. Because he said, if you believe in me, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. He's going to be in you. And you get to tap into that. But not tap into it to, to, to show up on a Sunday and try to give somebody a word or do something like that. Tap into it so it helps you live your life. Hmm. Okay. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? They've experienced it. They got to live by the spirit. They, they got to see what it's like. They, they got to understand, live by the spirit. Think about this way. Let's go all the way back to Abraham. Abraham lived by the spirit. God told him, pick up your whole family and go Move. He didn't have to go around and ask people and be like, is it okay if we like move our whole, you know, herd of everything? And he said, I'm gone. God told me to. Living by the spirit means that you understand what's inside of you. And as he speaks to you and you recognize his voice and he tells you to do things, you do them because he's telling you to do them. Oh, you just got to decipher. A lot of times it sounds like your voice. And that's where you get confused. Well, how come he's not speaking in a different, like, no. You need to understand. He's inside of you. He's telling you things. He's controlling you. So they experienced it and still went back to human effort. They still went back to saying, I got to earn this. They still went back to saying, I'm not going to be good enough unless I do something more. Verse five, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. So how do you make yourself righteous? Breathe and believe. You can't get more righteous. You can, you can actually grow in your understanding of how righteous you are, but you can't get more righteous in his eyes. I'm telling you, you need to understand this, but we think that if, well, if I don't study this and I don't study that, I'm not righteous. You will never get to a point where he goes, you know what, now you're just righteous because you just did all the work. No, he says, I count you as righteous because of your faith. Now it's up to you to understand what that means and how righteous you really are. So you start understanding it by, by doing things like that. Yeah, but it's out of love, not out of fear that if you don't read your Bible, you're going to be squashed. 
You got to change your mind. You got to change the way you think. That's why it says repent. Change the way you think. Stuff's been injected into us as kids. Right? Go to church. The devil will get you. Okay. So if we put faith in God, then we are real children of Abraham. What's more, the scripture looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Everybody. There are no, there's no hierarchy of who's better and who isn't. Jew, Gentile. You're all the same. All the same. And he loves you the same. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. Wow. But those who depend, who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of law. Hmm. So there's a curse. You're under God's curse if you think you're going to try to obey every law and try to do it. That's a lot of commands, right? 613. That's the law. 613 laws out there. Follow every one of them. You ain't going to do it. So if you don't do it, you're cursed. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law for the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of life is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. Wow, right there, it's totally different. It's not about obeying the law. So that tells me right there, like that immediately hits and impacts me that says, I didn't go to church for 10 years of my life because I was taught that I had to obey the law. And if I didn't do it right, then I was going to burn. 10 years of my life. Man, but we serve a good God. He'll finally open my eyes. Mm. Verse 13. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. So there was a curse, but Christ rescued us. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. So that we, are, we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. So was there a curse? Yes. Who paid the price? Jesus. Was it for once or forever? Forever. Forever. Mm. Fifteen. Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice the scripture doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child. And that, of course, means Christ. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. So the promise I gave you about life and faith cannot be changed 430 years later when he gave the law to Moses. Why? Because it says right there, God would be breaking his promise and he doesn't break promises. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be a result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. So let me answer some questions. Verse 19, why then was the law given? It was, a given along, it was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now the mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. See, he had to use Moses to get it to the people, but God gave it to Abraham. 
So is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. In other words, you can try harder and try harder and try harder. And if you just take your eyes off that and put your eyes on him, it's done. And I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying that these laws weren't good. Look at the Ten Commandments. You know, I actually had the Ten Commandments on my wall for a really long time. Why? I don't know. Not like I had to read them to not do them. Thought I was honoring God. They're not on my wall anymore. That's not a disgrace to God. It's just, why, why do I have the Ten Commandments up there? To get me focused on that? Thou shall not kill? If I love, I don't want to do any of those things. Amen. He says, love. His command was love the way I loved you. And if we actually do that and we understand that we can love God, we can love like he loved us, we can love our neighbors, none of that stuff pops up. Right. Mm. So we don't need to stare at all that all the time. You guys getting something out of this? You guys like reading the Bible? Let's just read the Bible. <laughs> I need a drink because I'm trying to get over this. Oh. <sighs> I don't want my voice to get raspy or loud or anything. Verse 23. Before the, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protect, protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. Hmm until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. We don't need it as our guardian. Is it good stuff? Yeah, there's some good stuff in there. But what it's saying, it's really saying, look, if you think you can only eat certain foods and you can only do certain things on certain days, and you, that is law, that's legalism. He says, you don't need that stuff. But if you want to do it, do it. But why are you doing it? I have no problem. You want to do all that stuff, do it. Do it with the right heart, though. Don't do it because it's self-effort and you think if you don't do it, you're going to go to hell. But if you're doing it just because you want to do it, you want to honor, do it. But you can't put anybody down that doesn't do it. That's pride. That's legalism. That's judgment. Hmm. Ah. I don't even know where I left off. 26, thank you. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism has put, the, put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are his true children of Abraham. You are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Man, so some of that stuff that you're like, yeah, but now what? Like, okay, now I don't have to do those things. You know, a lot, this is where law and grace, everybody gets this confused. They think that if you tell somebody they don't got to follow the law, they're going to turn into some madman that goes out and does anything they want. Problem is, when you remove that, you inject the spirit. Okay? You understand that. If you, if you get rid of something, you inject something. All right, so you inject the spirit. The spirit, the Holy Spirit controls you, guides you, leads you. God inside of you. Man, you got, and there's freedom in that. There's freedom to say, you know what? I don't have to worry. I don't have to rush to the altar every single weekend and cry out in tears and pray for forgiveness because I don't want to die and go to hell because I did something wrong. Man, I got to believe in him and have faith that he loves me. And there's freedom in that. And you don't have to worry about that other stuff because guess what? When you're living by love, you just don't do bad things. Like, I don't know how to explain that. Like, you, you want to get rid of an addiction? Put focus on him. Yeah. And it goes away. Trust me. I used to drink a lot. Yeah. You know what I did? I didn't have to go. And look, some people have to, I'm not saying it's bad to go through things. What I'm saying is all I did was complete faith, get wrecked by God, say, take it from me, and I never did it again. 
I didn't have to go through a course and all that stuff. I'm not saying that stuff's bad. If you need help with that stuff, get help. What I'm saying is surrender everything to him, and all of a sudden things go away, and you don't worry about it anymore. You know, if you're, if you're walk around angry or walk around disgusted about things and, and you're just an angry person and, and guess what? Turn it over to him. Get filled up with him. Let the Holy Spirit inside of you. He'll take that away. And all of a sudden, love comes out of you. All of a sudden, when you want to say something bad to somebody, you're like, ah, oh, Jesus wouldn't do that. And you catch yourself, right? You catch yourself or you think a thought because you're, you're like, yeah, but what about the stuff I think? Okay, so you think something bad and immediately what happens is the Holy Spirit grabs it and says, hey, that's not you. He says, that's not you. You can't do it. It's not you. And then all of a sudden you go, guess what? It's not me. And then you don't have to turn down that page. You don't have to turn down that street. You don't have to do those things. Because he's constantly reminding you how much he loves you and who you are. Uh, you guys good? It's like 1223. All right. Because I found the antivirus. How do you get rid of a virus on a computer? Antivirus. All right. You got to inject something. Romans 8, 1 through 8. The title of this is Life in the Spirit. Verse 8 says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I mean, I just... That's it. Over with. There is no condemnation. Jesus paid the price. He was our savior. He paid the price for that. So you don't have to worry about condemnation. Now you got to worry about how am I going to live? Now you got to say, well, if I'm not, if there's no condemnation, if I'm no longer um, tied to a curse because Jesus died for me, then what am I doing here? So now the Holy Ghost is injected inside of you so that you can change the culture in the world around you. See, it doesn't stop with us. It starts with us. He says, this is why you're here, because everybody needs to know. I need you to pour out on everybody. I need God to come out of you. I need you to represent who he is. We need to change the world that way. That's the only way the world's going to change. That's why the Holy Ghost is inside of us. All right, back to scripture. Let's go to two. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. What's the life-giving spirit? Holy Spirit. So you were already saved when Jesus died on the cross and now he gives you the Holy Spirit to free you constantly, constantly from the power of sin. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Ah. Verse three, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by a sinful nature think about sinful things but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit so letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death but letting the Spirit control your minds leads to life and peace that's why we talked last week about worship a worship life how do you live a lifestyle of worship honoring and thankfulness and, and just praising him all the time and when you do that he's inside of you and guess what when, when you go to do something bad, he corrects you and you're like, well, cool. Got it, Lord. Thank you. But you're not constantly thinking about that stuff. You don't wake up in the morning and go, okay, I've got this like potholes all over the road. I got to make sure I steer this way. And then I got to go this way. You know, I used to be told, put up guardrails in your life, put up barriers, put up things that'll stop you. So put all these protections on your phone and put all this stuff and, and do this. You know what? If you need that, Great. What I'm telling you is if you get so in love with him, he's so in love with you, that will never be an issue. And it works. So you got to be controlled by the spirit. How do you get controlled by the spirit? Love him. Love him. And spend time with him. Here's the thing. If you just understand how much he loves you, you'll love him back. You can only love him because he first loved you. 
man, it just changes everything about why we do what we do and how we do it. So you don't have a sin issue. If you're dealing with sin, it's not a sin issue. It's a love issue. Because it says if you love him, right? If you love him, he comes inside of you and the Holy Spirit changes everything. So if you're dealing with sin issues, it's a love issue. And for some of us, that love issue goes deep. Right? There, there, there's a love issue that goes deep. Because some of you don't know what it's like to be truly loved. You don't know what, it's, what love really means. Man. But if you could just learn to be loved and to have faith that he loves you that much, like a love you've never experienced, you just learn to love. And then all of a sudden, you don't have a love issue. You just love them. Same way you would love anybody. Like, so I love Jules. I love you, babe. She's watching. I love my wife. I do wonderful things with my wife. I spend time with my wife. I actually spend money on my wife. I actually like to buy my wife things. I like to do things for her. Not so that she doesn't hate me. Right? I do it to show her how much I love her. So how do we show love to him? Man, we spend time with him. We hang out with him. We, we inject him into our life. Everything we do, he's with us. And we just let him walk with us and talk with us and, and go with us. That's it. Why? Because not out of fear that he's going to hate you, but because you truly love him. And because of that, he fills you up. Ah. I think that's it. Just let the Holy Ghost be an antivirus in you. I don't want to take it on anymore. Just know there's freedom. There's freedom in that. There's freedom in just living by the Spirit. There's freedom knowing that He's going to control. He's going to take care of it. He's going to take care of you. And when you surrender to that, it's so, so awesome. And can it happen quickly? Absolutely. It can happen in a moment. And sometimes it's just a gradual thing. But that gradual thing is just love. It's just love. He's just working on your heart and he's just constantly working on your heart, working on your heart, working on your heart, working on your heart. And pretty soon you just feel so loved. You're like, man, this is good. And then you pour out so much love on other people. They want to know who you are. They want to know why you're different. And I'm not, look, I'm not taking away anything from, from, you know, what the Bible says is good and bad. It's true. There's a lot of bad stuff out there. What I'm saying is don't focus on that stuff. Focus on him and all that stuff just kind of dissipates. You don't have to worry about it. All of a sudden, the obedience comes just as a secondary consequence of loving him. It's so good. Quit thinking about it. Quit, quit, quit going, okay, well, the only, I guess this morning, as long as I don't do this, okay, and let me try not to do this. Why don't you just wake up and say, I'm going to do one thing, worship him today. I'm going to start out with worshiping him today. I'm going to start out by thanking him today. I'm going to start out by, by allowing him to guide me today and lead me today. And when you do that, man, that page disappears. The next thing you know, it just, it, the, your task list isn't so long. And all you can do is focus on the people in front of you. And you're like, man, I, I can love you and 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 I can love you. Man, it's so good. Hmm. Amen. I think that's good. You guys good with that? Come on. Oh. I don't know if he wants me to say anything else, but yeah, you can play us out, Chuck. Um, I guess the goal of today was simply to say, if there's any bit of that left inside of you, like I said, if you didn't expel Ishmael from the camp, if you didn't get rid of the self-effort all the way and inside you still think you have to do these little things, it's going to stop a movement that's so powerful that he wants to do in and through you. So I challenge you this morning to, to lay it down. Get rid of that. Change the way you think. Don't worry about all the stuff that was injected in you as a virus, as a, as a kid. or It wasn't even to me as a kid. I, th I don't even know how old I was at that point. But I wasn't a kid. I had a kid. But man, just set that stuff down. Set that stuff down. Love him. Right? A lot of people will say, but 
But yeah, but then, so you're saying I don't have to go to church. You're going to do what you want to do. You're going to do what the Lord tells you to do. And if you're moving in your heart and if you love being in his presence, and if you love the people around you, you're going to come to church. I'm not worried about any of that stuff. I, I've, I've fully understood the fact that, that this is God's home. He's going to do what he wants to do. He's going to do it through you. And he's going to keep moving it and keep doing it whether you're here or not. He invites you in. He invites you to be part of this. He invites you to understand this. He wants to see life change in you. And he wants to see you go out and actually, man, all of creation, guys, is waiting on this. All of creation is waiting for us to understand who we are, how righteous we are, how awesome we are, how much he loves us so we can start loving other things. And man, his kingdom comes just like that. And things change. People change. Lives change because of you. So I just want to bless you with that this morning. We'll have prayer partners at the crosses on either side. If you want prayer this morning, if you're dealing with some of that stuff and you say, you know what? I just want to get this off my chest, man. Go talk to a prayer partner. Let them pray for you. But here's the thing. You just got to make a choice. Just got to make a choice. Say, I choose to be loved and get rid of everything else. So Father, we love you and we thank you. I thank you for today. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that we can worship you. I'm thankful for everything you've done in my life. I'm thankful for this family, Lord. I thank you that you actually make this so easy to understand. It's so laid out, Lord. I thank you for that. So Father, open our eyes, open our hearts, move in us, change, help us change the way we think. Help us to understand how powerful your love is in us and through us. So, Father, we surrender this to you. We ask you to have your way in everything we do. Lead us and guide us because of you. In Jesus' mighty name. So I just want to bless you with that this morning. And amen, y'all. Come on. You can put your hands together. I love you guys. Be blessed. We'll see you guys next week. If you want prayer this morning. Be here for the students. They're going to be powerful.